When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What caused U.S. stocks to turn around? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Jared Dillian, editor of the Daily Dirt Nap newsletter and Real Vision's global editor, Weston Nakamura. Hi, gentlemen. Thanks for being here. Hey. Hey, everyone. So, uh, wow, what a round trip, Jared. This looked like it was shaping up to be going to be a horrible day. We saw a really steep sell-off. Um, we got a hotter-than-expected CPI reading here in the U.S., and then about midday, we saw a huge turnaround. Um, you know, what What do you make of it? Why did we see that happen? Well, I mean, a lot of people are trying to interpret this move in the context of CPI, right? They're saying, well, you know, maybe people are realizing that CPI is lagging and that this is actually the peak in core and that's why we rallied. It doesn't have anything to do with that. The, re the reason we rallied today is because everybody was limit short and they they crashed S&P futures 100 points on the number and there was nobody left to sell and people had to cover i mean it was pure positioning like the it, if you look at the the chart of the S&P today it exploded higher around 10 or 11 o'clock i mean it was a pure short covering move now the question going forward is you know, is this going to turn into some kind of durable rally? And I think it is, you know, first of all, just the amount of shorts that we have in the market, it's, it, they're not going to all cover in one day. It's, it's going to take a long time for this to come out. But, you know, I also think that you're going to see some, you know, the bond market this morning after the CPI number was under a lot of distress. We came within a couple of ticks of the long bond to having the whole yield curve over 4%. Twos were trading around four and a half. I mean, it, 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 one, one thing I pointed out on Twitter today, the on-the-run bond is, was trading in the 82 handle this morning. This bond was issued on August 15th, two months ago, not even two months ago, and this bond lost 18% in price. Wow. So you've seen some massive moves in the bond market. So, you know, I, 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 think, I think we're going to get some more dovish comments out of the Fed. I think we're going to get some acknowledgement. You know, if you look at private measures of inflation, a lot of that seems to indicate that inflation has peaked and is going lower. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's higher from here. Uh, that, that's incredible. And there's stuff I want to unpack on there, but I want to fill out this like don't just make this, you know, this link that everyone's making, including a bunch of people that you may be seeing on on some outlets about the CPI and the turnaround. And Weston, fill in the other part of this for me, because um, Jared, and by the way, just pause one second. I just want to say that, Jared, to, to your point, as I'm just looking as you're talking about that. I saw that you tweeted a couple of days ago, everyone is bearish. Everyone can't be right. You also, I think yesterday, I'm going to pull this up because while you were talking, I got your note. You may think it hinges on the CPI print, 
Probably not. Actually, in my experience, when things are this one-sided, even if you have a bad outcome, the market rallies anyway. Shorts have to cover. You wrote this, or you put this out there yesterday, uh, I think. And Weston, you have also been warning us for weeks that we shouldn't be so U.S.-focused and we shouldn't just be looking at the equity market. So talk to me a little bit about what you were watching as this massive turnaround unfolded. Sure. Uh, so, Brian, if you put up that first chart, um, in terms of answering the question of what's behind, what was behind that kind of intraday rally post uh, this pre-market CPI, uh, in my view, that was clearly um, the UK uh, and events happening in the UK, specifically uh, with what's been happening in the last two weeks regarding the crisis that is very much not over and is coming to some sort of conclusion tomorrow, Friday, um, with the Bank of England, uh, who has been stepping into the guilt market, the long end of the UK bond market, sovereign bond market, and essentially flipping from QT to QE um, in order to sort of uh, put a backstop and kind of rescue uh, UK pension funds. And that's that kind of that that program, that 180 degree flip uh, ends tomorrow. But that is a crisis that is far more serious and, and imminent than, you know, a couple basis points miss on US CPI. Um, so what you saw was in that first chart, you'll see that sell off along with, you know, GBP, USD and all that. But then you see that midday rally. Now that is not CPI related because the, like what, the, the, new data data came out three hours later it takes a long mm. time for everyone to read and then read at the same exact rate and pays on time right so what you got what you got was headlines coming out of the uk that were i mean there were you know so many of them but by and large seen as positive for you know what what may come up tomorrow and then therefore beyond uh regarding like this this like this uk kind of disaster that's been overhanging and so you get that. And then, as Jared said, you get a short squeeze and you get a short squeeze and everything. If you look at like cross sector, you see like, you know, semis and all that. Every, basically, everything um, has has been rallying um, that that got beaten up. So it's just um, so many people who are just, you know, very, very kind of eager to just uh, either short cover, obviously, or but just to just to buy, uh, you know, what they think is the floor, um, even for kind of a short term basis. And, um, and that's, that's the price action you got, but it was not, it was not CPI related. That first down move that you saw, that was CPI related. After that, that's not CPI related anymore. Um, yeah. SPX and, you know, this is not just SPX. This is, this is global indices. This is obviously Euro stocks, um, the, the Nikkei, all that too, Bitcoin risk assets in general, but they all moved up in tandem and the S&P 500 is not a, S is, is not a U.S. asset. It's a global asset class um, with global investors, and it is very much hinged to, uh, you know, some of these other markets and and major markets and developments that are happening uh, within, such as the U.K. Yeah, yeah, and and that you know putting these two together makes a whole lot of sense because it you know it did it did seem to come out of nowhere and it it didn't make sense for it to be about the CPI, Jared. When we're talking about whether it's durable or not. Um, is there so much of so much of what we're seeing? And if we think it, you know, the Fed may start to be a little bit more dovish, which you just mentioned, uh, 
Is that going to be because something is happening in terms of the financial system? There's some sort of dislocation. Something's blowing up somewhere in the in the financial system because the you know the other reasons they would pivot aren't there, right? The inflation story is not going their way to even give them the cover to say anything. Are you worried that it's something else happening that's going to cause the pivot? And then what does that do to this rally, if that makes sense? No, I mean, first of all, the you know, the mandate of the Fed is price stability and unemployment. Uh, it doesn't say in the mandate that the mandate of the Fed is um, stability of the financial system, but that's absolutely what it is. Like, if, you know, the Fed can fight inflation, the Fed can try to save us from inflation. But if they blow up bond markets around the world, there's not going to be anything left to save, you know. Right. So you've seen this argument out of a couple of Fed speakers in the last couple of weeks that we've already done a lot of rate hikes. And by the way, these are the fastest rate hikes in history, the fastest. So we've already done quite a bit of rate hikes, you know, 350, 325 basis points so far. We're going to do 75 or whatever in November. You know, why don't we pause and wait and see the lagged effects of these rate hikes before we pile on the bond market and crash the bond market? You know, so I think that there are some reasonable people at the Fed. I also think there are some unreasonable people at the Fed, uh, people who maybe don't have market experience or don't understand the consequences of taking mortgage rates up to 8%, you know. So, I, you know, I do, I do think you're going to see a change in tone. I know I, I had said all along that the Fed was going to hike until something broke. Mm-hmm. And what broke was the UK bond market. And the U.S. bond market is pretty close, you know, as of this morning, was pretty close to breaking. Yeah, I just just, you know, we shouldn't forget that they're all in Washington together, right? That most of the finance ministers and bankers are at the IMF, uh, World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, World Bank, these big multilateral international organizations. They have these annual meetings and they're all down there together. That's when every time they've been speaking, it's been causing you know turmoil in the markets, whether it's Bailey or Corona. So they're all together. Presumably, they're having some pretty intense conversations about what's going on and where the danger might be when it comes to whether a UK situation could spill over and show up here as well. Um, in our in our asset management industry. Uh, but, you know, uh, Weston, this this makes me nervous, though, because, you know, we're waiting for for we've got policymakers that need to potentially do the right thing or change their tone. We're also going into this Friday, which is already Friday for you, but we're going into this day with this big line in the sand that the BOE put down. I mean, is, is there an assumption on the market that that the, the UK government is going to cave and pull back that budget that caused this latest, um, or, you know, is that, are we being too complacent thinking that they're going to do the right thing? I mean, these are politicians. I shouldn't say right thing, do the thing that will take the pressure off. I'm not, yeah, I'm not uh, editorializing uh, 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 what the right thing to do is, but yeah, I was going to say what's, what's, uh, what's the right thing. What's good. You know, those are, those are all, um, what would calm the markets and, uh, yeah. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. 
Go to LipsonAds.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Uh, to, to, to Jared's point, uh, so um, Brian, if you pull up the chart uh, to a, um, this is just, again, this is intraday today because people are talking about, okay, so the equity, you know, the equity market had this re- reversal, uh, but what about the bond market? Um, this is intraday, um, the UK 30-year yield, the gilt yield. This is the uh, tenor that, one of the tenors that uh, the Bank of England is directly intervening and buying and that it's going to stop doing so tomorrow, supposedly. Um, and uh, as of, I believe it was two days ago, Maggie, to your point, what you were saying, um, Governor Bailey said, hey, you have, you pension funds have three days left to unwind or, or to um, rebalance your portfolios. Um, and then this like QE, temporary QE is indeed temporary and that goes away. Um, and and that's that's just how it's going to be. And as you were talking um, about with Sri on RVDB, what was it, two or three days ago, that, you know, I had the same exact sort of reading on that. Uh, what he was saying, he's not talking to the pension funds per se. The pension funds know what the date is. They know that they have till Friday. Um, what what he was saying was the Liz Trust government essentially and saying, right. "Hey, you and quasi quartetting the you know exchequer, the uh, chancellor of exchequer, you need to get your act together. Um, as in, you need to change your language or your policy regarding these sort of you know unfunded tax cuts and all that." Um, or this is now on you. Um, and should the pension system blow up? Should, should the long end of the guilt uh, curve just explode higher? Uh, that's on you, right? But the reason that it matters, too, is because, uh, Brian, if you go to chart 2B, um, this is just a chart of the 30-year UK guilt yield versus the 30-year US Treasury yield. The, 30, the long end of the US Treasury curve has been, over the last several weeks, or since you know the end of September, has been pushed around and shoved around by developments that are happening in the UK and and the UK bond market. Um, you see like massive swings. You see like, you know, 20 basis points or more intraday swings in either direction. Um, that's becoming kind of an everyday normal thing in the UK uh, bond market. But that's spilling over directly into the US uh, fixed income market. It's not just the US either. It's 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 global DM fixed income market. They move they move more or less together. Um, and you, that's why you see these huge, huge spikes at the long end of the of the uh, U.S. yield curve. Um, and so a lot of that was being kind of, um, you know, that's what we were. That's the baggage that we were coming into into CPI as well. Mm. Um, you know, this this like you, this sort of external U.K. Um, development that's that's going on that's influencing the, U, uh, the the U.S. Treasury market. So you can't just look at that the U.S. Treasury market and U.S. CPI. Um, and then that, that reaction in sort of isolation. You have to know the context beforehand and you have to know what is ahead and what kind of sort of developments are going on as that's um, a, as these figures are, are, are dropping. Right? Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we have um, everyone who's been on this week has been doing a really good job of trying to pull back, you know, the simple explanation and really fill in how all of these different markets are impacting each other. Um, Jared, I'm really interested to hear you say that you think that this rally might be durable because it seems like there's so much risk. I mean, it just seems like inflation's not going 
like not giving the Fed any cover. We saw how quickly these treasuries are moving. And they're, you know, these markets aren't really, you know, meant to be moving that kind of quickly. You hear people saying maybe there's derivatives that could be involved and, you know, it'll cause strain in all sorts of places. Now we're looking at this game of chicken for the BOE and the UK government. There just seems to be so much risk out there. Will uh, is just writing in from YouTube. How soon is this all going to blow up? I mean, you know, it does sort of feel like that. You're such a sort of you're a master of sentiment. Why do you think this might be durable? Like what you know, what are you basing that on? Well, first of all, you, you know, a, a lot of the bears out there, they look at the stock market and they say, "Okay, the stock market's down 22% or something like that." And um you know, we were down 57% in 2008. We were down 48% in 1974. We were down 89% in 1932. So we've had bigger bear markets. And if you look at the confluence of factors that are affecting the market, whether it's inflation or recession, I mean, it's just a pile of shit all at the same time. And so people say, well, why isn't the stock market down more? And so they kind of believe that things aren't that bad because stocks are only down 20%. But what you have to understand is, is that bonds are down 20%. Commodities are down. Every asset class in the world is down. There has been absolutely no place to hide. The only people who have succeeded for a short period of time were hiding out in energy, and that's not working. So really, the, like, the only people who, are, you know, who think they're smart at this point are people who sold everything in 2021 and went to cash. And mm-hmm. I don't know anybody who did that. So everybody's getting hurt. And you know, I would say... This this environment is just I, I want to say just as bad as 2008. 2008 was definitely worse, but it's much worse than you would believe just by looking at the stock market. Right. It doesn't tell the whole story. Mm-hmm. So so this is a really, really bad bear market. And it's one of the worst in history. And, uh, you know, honestly, uh, you know, I think I think there's a limit as to how much it can go down. Yeah. Um, Weston, we. We haven't even talked about what's happening with the dollar and and, you know, the moves we've seen in the yen. If you want to layer on to this complicated cake we're building here, we have a huge event coming in China as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think this is another thing, like when you're looking at what everybody's thinking or what they may not be prepared for, which is what if I hear you, Jared, is what you're saying. Like, you can't look back. You've got to look at the thing that people are not anticipating. Well, I mean, the the bear case is always most compelling at the lows. And the bear case was the most compelling at 830 this morning. (laughs) That was the moment at which everybody was everybody who was short was vindicated. They were absolutely right. And that's, you know, that's probably the time to buy. You know, I've in the last uh, couple of months, like people are starting to call me a permable on Twitter. Right. And now, you know, Maggie, you and I have been talking for a while. Like, you know, I'm not a permable like back Mm -hmm. in 2020, 2021. I was very bearish, you know, and basically my shtick is, is that I pay attention to sentiment. And when sentiment gets really one sided, you usually set up for a reversal. And these reversals are tradable. You know, look, like I'm a counter trend trader. It's just the way I'm wired. And I think we could have a 10 to 20% counter trend rally within the context of a bear market. Or the other possibility is we just put in the bottom of the bear market this morning. And that was the bottom. 
that's also a possibility. We don't, we won't know that for sure until we let this play out over a course of weeks or months, but you have to entertain that possibility. And I think that that is where you're going to, if that's the case, then right now it seems durable. You're going to retest that theory though, once you start to get that either 10% or 20%, because you need to figure out at that point, whether it is just a bounce, a strong bounce in a bear market, or whether there is something more substantial going on. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, you know, the rally that we had in June, which was a 17% rally, you know, kind of off of similar circumstances, you know, the, the fee, that rally never felt good, right? It was, mm -hmm. it was a short covering rally and it never felt good. Felt like a Fugazi rally. And eventually it actually, it kind of went longer than I thought. I thought we were going to bounce around 10 or 12% and it, it actually went a little bit higher. Um, but I don't know. We'll see what happens this time. So it, 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 Weston, you know, relative to what we've been seeing, you've been talking about the need to watch the currency markets as this cleanest signal in this, you know, crazy market environment we've been in. How important is it for the dollar to retreat if we think we're going to be able, if this is going to be something more durable? I mean, presumably the dollar can't just keep strengthening and putting pressure on the global system if, if we are going to bottom here. Um, or perhaps it, it can for at least maybe a little bit longer than we'd uh, all hope. So as you said, um, you know, all of the G7 and G20 finance ministers and central banks, uh, central bankers are gathered in Washington um, at a pretty good time. I, you know, <laughs> given everything that's happening, uh, a lot to discuss. Um, but out of that, um, and this is actually in relation to uh, the intervention, um, kind of an update from that. Um, because I, I put out a thread about that er, uh, earlier. But so the, you know, CPI comes out. Now we're looking at the yen and the 147 handle, uh, dollar yen, that is. Um, but uh, Brian, if you bring up uh, chart uh, three, um, I, so 147, yeah, that's, that's very high. That's, uh, I've lost track now at this point, the 30 something year. Uh, yeah, I think it's 30. Yeah. Um, and but if you look at that chart, basically, um, when Japan, when the Ministry of Finance in Japan via the Mega Japan intervened in the FX markets unilaterally without the permission of the United States Treasury and blasted twenty billion dollars uh, into you know into uh, directly into the FX markets and capped USD JPY's uh, upward runaway surge, that made it an artificial market. It currently still is. And so what you're looking at in that chart is that's the U.S. and Japan 10-year yield spread, nominal yield spread, which closely tracks dollar yen um, as yield differentials, you know, fundamentally in terms of price action, uh, reflect those uh, respective currency pairs. Um, but you could see that the U.S. to Japan 10-year yield spread has been absolutely blowing apart because Kuroda, once again, to the, at, in Washington this week, uh, repeats that um, the Bank of Japan governor repeats that uh, JGB yields are going to be capped. And meanwhile, you have 10-year U.S. Treasury yields surging because of, you know, by and large, uh, the U.K. Um, and developments that are happening there. And so when that yield spread is blowing apart, um, you see that dollar-yen has not been keeping up with uh, that yield spread. And so at some point, you know, those are going to have to converge. Either that yield spread has to come down um, which is what the Ministry of Finance is trying to do, to try to buy time so that you get like some sort of recessionary uh, sentiment to come in, uh, bid back into treasuries, yields to come down, yield spreads to collapse, 
dollar yen falls or dollar yen stays the same and uh, the yield spread falls back to where the current levels are. But if that doesn't happen, uh, you're looking at a very artificially, you know, strong yen uh, given the, the the sort of fundamentals. So to answer your question regarding like the you know the like USD strength, um, it's going to be uh, again like the, you can't look at a DXY sort of thing. It's going to be case yeah. by case. And you know in Japan's case, they're clear, they're clearly intervening. You're you have to look for what's what's round two going to be. Um, you know are they going to let it let a one fifty print like get out there? Are they going to step in before that? Um, you know, they're threatening, you know, uh, uh, that they're going to be doing that. But meanwhile, they just met with their counterparts and they probably were not given the green light to just keep doing this. Um, at the same time, you know, the UK has its own currency um, in, in flux um, with, with that situation. So everywhere is going to be sort of different. So um, when you talk about the dollar strength, it really has to be, um, you really have to specify against what currency um, and, you know, what's happening within that region uh idiosyncratically as well yeah because it's sort of every man for himself in terms of what they're dealing with the risks they're dealing with with their own economies we're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners we'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the real vision daily briefing you're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. So, Jared, um, would you be a buyer? Would you chase this rally? Because short, short covering rallies can be difficult, can't they? Um, I would absolutely chase it. Let me make a comment around that. So. Sure. Um, Markets discount things, okay? So market was up 2%, 3% today, and nobody knows why. Well, the market is discounting something that's going to happen in the future. So what that means is, is that we'll find out why the market rallied today at some point in the future. And, you know, I, earlier in our conversation, I was talking about, I thought we would get some dovish comments out of the Fed. Mm. Well, that... I think that will happen, but it won't happen until after stocks are already up 10%. Mm. If you actually wait for the dovish comments out of the Fed, you will have missed the entire move. So that's why sentiment trading is so useful is because you're buying into extreme sentiment, which is in itself an act of courage because, you know, this morning at 8.30, there was absolutely no reason to buy stocks. There was no compelling reason to buy stocks at all. And yet, and ended up being the best time to buy stocks. So one of the things I talk about in my newsletter sometimes is that trading is often an act of faith, right? And traders are very skeptical people, right? They want to see evidence before they do something. They want to see the fundamentals get better. But we, you don't have time to wait for the fundamentals to get better. You have to have faith that it's going to get better. And the evidence that you have is the messages that people are sending around you, the stuff you hear on Twitter every day. So, Yeah, but by the way, um, in our own questions, uh, you know, we have some people asking, is Credit Suisse going to implode? I mean, there is, you know, there is, you can feel the worry out there. Do we sell, Joe asking, do we sell into today's rally? Joe, I think Jared just said he wouldn't be, he would be chasing it a little bit. Um, it makes me think of Jared. I just did a, ta a podcast taping with Ralph for my life in four trades, which is going to be really fun when it comes out. And um, he's talking about other people's trades. And at one point, and the, the, there are some 
smart people right now who are gaming things out and they're not just trading one step ahead, they're trading two steps ahead. Um, and this feels a little bit like there might be some of that going on too, because they are, as you say, anticipating what's going to happen and making sort of, you know, a faith based bet or what they think might be a convicted bet on that. Um, you know, do, do we need, is, is this whole indicating that something's breaking and that people think the pivot's coming because something's breaking? I mean, is it possible that there's something going on that people in the industry see that we don't see yet, but they're, you know, that the secondary effect is that they know the Fed's going to pivot because of this. And then that, that would be positive for risk assets. Is it yeah, possible something like that's going on? That's entirely possible. You know, I was, I was a trader for nine years and I can tell you that, you know, I, w I was just a VP at Lehman Brothers. I wasn't anybody special, but you know, being on the trading floor at Lehman and talking to the head of equities and other MDs and stuff like that, like I was pretty plugged into information. And mm. if there was any kind of rumor or anything about something blowing up, like I would have found out about it on the trading floor. You know, mm. I'm sitting here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Like I have no idea what's going on, you know? So like, sure, like there, there could be some systemic risk out there that we're not aware of, which would cause you know, financial stability risk, which would cause the Fed to pause. You know, mm. That is possible. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, I mean, again, we're not saying that's the case, but, you know, the, the, I, I think what we're just trying to underscore is that these are very complex relationships. Um, and that, I, that, I, to that, that point um, that you were just, uh, yeah, yeah, because, you know, it really depends on the context of like what this Fed pivot would be. But like, just like you guys are saying, just like Jared is saying, Look, if the Fed has to do what the Bank of England has been doing the last two weeks, mm -hmm. as in they uh, pivot and start buying U.S. Treasuries, but they're doing so in order to cut the wire at the last minute before a bomb goes off. No, that's not time to buy. That's not good. That's not time yeah. to long. That's not like liquidity flooding back into the systems for the sake of growth. That's for the sake of keeping the world uh, from not falling apart tomorrow or in a few hours. Um, that is averting disaster. That's what happened. That's what's happening with the UK. Um, and so that's not, so like QE or, or Q, Q, yeah, the QT, you know, switching from QT to QE, um, it really depends on the context and it can't, it can't just be looked at as some of this, like this overly broad brush of like, oh, liquidity, uh, is being provided. Therefore long risk assets. Um, yeah. you know, it really depends on, on the, the circumstance. Yeah, no, absolutely. I want to, we're almost out of time. I always feel like we're just getting going. We're almost out of time, but um, could both of you leave us with all of these sort of complicated issues swirling around? Can both of you leave us with sort of what, if it's not your favorite position or trade right now, the market that you're most interested in and that you're waiting on, um, or that you would be sort of positioning and getting ready for that setup? Jared, let's start with you. Uh, the market that I'm most interested in, um, I mean, I, I mean, just plain vanilla stocks, really like, you know, I mean, the one, th one thing is that the bond market is way more important than the stock market. It, like, for, for example, stocks were down 50% in 2002. Okay. It did not blow up the financial system. Bonds blew up the financial system in 2008. Fixed income really has the potential to blow up the financial system, but stocks are useful for sentiment purposes. They really tell you where sentiment is. And, you know, I think 
over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a big reversal in sentiment. And the best way to express that is in stocks. So uh, I think the dollar is going to sell off. I think gold is going to rally. I think a lot of these trends are going to reverse. But the best way to express it is just in stocks. Fantastic. Um, we should say, too, Jared is is zipping off to Atlanta tomorrow. So yeah. if any of our viewers in the Hotlanta area, you can go find him at the Four Seasons, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's setting up camp at the bar. Uh, unfortunately, we're we're, we're tethered here. Weston, um, what about you? Um, and we got to keep it briefer. I'm going to get sure. in trouble. But um, and we and we have a question for you on JPY. Why can't it be resolved? The U.S. dollar swaps. I'm going to have you answer that after the show yep. for Melson on YouTube. But but what are you liking here? Um. So well, JPY. So like I like I mentioned before. Look, uh, if you want to go long dollar yen. There is the dollar yen is being artificially suppressed right now to the um you know to the upside. Uh, if you believe that like there will be some sort of yen intervention part two, uh, which there might very might very well maybe you know imminently or next week at some point. Um, but if that happens, I would buy like right against that into that sell off because these things don't last. As we saw, the you know Japan bought itself. What thirteen trading days with twenty billion dollars the last time? So that's going to happen again. So like that's your entry point for for that. Um, I would say that um, look with in terms of like going long, like what Jared was saying. Look, if you get a kind of like a a, a lineup of the if you get the Liz Trust cabinet to ditch their tax policy, the Bank of England's temporary QE actually worked and it indeed was temporary and everything was smooth with like the pension fund rebalancing all that. And then you get perceived economic and market positive reforms out of China. Starting this weekend with the kickoff of China Party Congress, be it like ditching zero COVID or whatever, just the perception itself, right? And you have all-time you know highs on on short interest on on Hang Seng Index and all that kind of thing, and then you just get like all these things to to, to line up. You can get a face ripping risk on you know uh, squeeze to the upside. Pick your index of choice or Bitcoin or whatever it is, risk asset of choice um, to go long for kind of the the shorter term um, is is what I would say. Um, but at the same time. Any one of those things can drop markets uh, another leg down, right. um, but but if those things line up and it's very it's not out of the question that they uh, they can't, um, then yeah, it's it's, it's going to be risk on. That is, and that's for you short-term traders out there. If you're long-term and risk-averse, yeah. you might want to you might want to hang out on the sideline a little bit until we get some clarity. Um, Jared and Weston, fantastic stuff. Thank you for helping us get a deeper understanding about what's going on behind just the headlines that we were all seeing today. We appreciate it. Thank you. Fantastic. And uh, Ash is going to be back tomorrow with Jim Bianco. So be sure to join us for that. Thanks for the great questions. Uh, have yourself a wonderful evening. Take care and good luck out there. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.